everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Electric Underground podcast. Today, I've found a guest that I'm really excited to speak with because he's able to talk about a subject I've been really wanting to cover over the past few, I guess, years now doing the podcast. So everyone welcome Twilight EX to the podcast. For those who do not know him, he played in Shmup Slam 3, played Hellsinker, and he's currently the world record holder in Hellsinker. So that's pretty badass. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, my name is Twilight EX. The first thing I want to talk about is how did you personally get into Shmups? Yeah, so it was like 14 or 13. And in my like middle school, my friend gave me a USB stick that had a Toho in it and said, like, you should try this game out. And I tried it. That was my first time playing shmups at that time. I was really like, I didn't understand the concept of the game. <laughs> like mashing every single button I see and like dying whichever I go. So <laughs> it was a terrible experience. I remember that. Were you at all familiar with shmups in the slightest? Like any of the ideas um, or is it purely unknown? He's just like, here, here's a game. And you're like, what am I supposed to even do? I think I was in that spectrum. Maybe like I played like Galaga or something really like long ago. <laughs> so it was sort of a, I knew the concept of the games. Okay, you have lives, you have bombs, you don't die. Okay. Right. And there's like bullets coming out and you, you're trying not to get hit. Oh, okay. I understand that. But I didn't understand like how to dodge technical things, micro, macro or whatever. So I didn't understand any of those. And <laughs> yeah, it was it was a painful uh, experience the first time I did it. How did you proceed from there? Because I think that's a lot of people's initial experiences with shmups is you get absolutely whopped and some people are like, all right, this is stupid and never play the genre yeah. again or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely got through that. I'm not playing this game kind of, you know, mentality. I had that too. It was like two months or something. I was like, first I played it. The first day I played it, I, I threw it away into the trash can it goes. <laughs> and I literally like threw the uh, exit file into the trash can. I remember that. And two months later, the same like guy who said, why don't you try it out? Asked me like, how's it going? It's like, I, I threw it in the trash can. <laughs> it's like, oh, what? <laughs> no, no, you got to play it. I okay, I'll show you how to play it. And he actually like taught me how to like maneuver. I was playing with keyboard at the time. So right. I, yeah, I learned how to play with keyboards first. And I was like, oh, that's how you play this game. I was 14 at the time, 13 or 14, I don't remember much, but I didn't try to like surf through internet to find those kind of stuff. How do you play shmup? Right. Google it, but it's like, no, there's nothing. Right. I can imagine. So, yeah. I remember doing the same thing. The only thing that helped me was Prometheus's guide, mm -hmm. full extent of the jam. I found that. Full extent of jam. That was like my Bible. I like printed that oh. out and carried it around and read it all the time. Oh. I was like, aha, this is, I figured that guide was the 100% correct way to play shmups. And I think a lot, it's still mm -hmm. in a lot of ways has a lot of extremely valid advice. I know that full extent of the jam Bible thing because everyone talks about it here and there, mm -hmm. but I really haven't looked much into it. So maybe I need to check it out later. Well, I think at this point being a world record holding <laughs> shmup player, you'd be like, yep. I, I get this. I, I don't think it'll blow uh, your mind too much <laughs> at this point. Mm -hmm. It exactly says what I'm doing. Yes, you're okay. like, yes, <laughs> I'm doing this correctly. Oh, okay. 
I do like it though, because it also, it doesn't just talk about how to play. It also kind of has a little bit of like his history of how he got into the genre, how he practiced, how he learned. And I thought that was also really, uh, really cool. Yeah. So I, I always recommend it for that as well. Kind of like a personal history. Thing, yes, right? exactly. And doing different tournaments and stuff. I was like, whoa, this sounds really cool. So how about for you? How did you end up proceeding then? So your friend showed you how to play. There weren't really any yeah, guides. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, tried tried it out and do what he said. And the first time I got a 1cc was like two years later, maybe. I was really struggling at the time, like playing games and all. I really didn't have much time to play PC games or shmups at that time. I was like really occupied with like playing Wii and stuff. Right, yeah. Smash, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I was playing Smash at that time. So I really didn't like put much effort into it and like two years later i was like constantly playing it like getting better and better getting to stage three getting to stage four and all that kind of stuff but the first time i got a 1cc was like two years later i was uh 16 at the time was in high school it was toho 10 i think yeah oh nice i think that was the first 1cc i ever done in my life and that was the first time so from there were you pretty much playing exclusively toho or were you also kind of checking out other arcade and that yeah. type of stuff mm-hmm. or is it just mostly toho uh it was it was just toho at the time i really didn't know that there was a cave games or arcade games at at that time and so talking about cave i uh i acknowledged the fact that there was a company called cave yeah and that was in college i think so i was 19 at the time 18 or 19 yes that was the first time i ever uh knew about cave and their like games and it was very much different from what I saw in like Toho games because the bullet patterns are like there to completely kill you. Yes. <laughs> no matter what you do. Yeah. So that was really eye opening for me. Great to uh, meet cave arcades and stuff. Right. What was that like? So you were playing Toho and then how accessible is the arcade scene in Japan? I've always wondered that. Like how yeah. do you need to really know where to go or is it kind of like... If you're somewhat into uh, gaming, you kind of have an idea. It really depends on where you live, I think. Right. Like if you're living in Tokyo or like Osaka or Nagoya, like really big cities, you basically have access to those shooting game, the arcade centers that has shooting games. But if you're living in a suburb or like really rural area, then it's like really hard to find arcade centers from the beginning and you have to know where you go so yeah i think it really depends on where you live and accessibility wise hard to tell but yes and so what was your first experience going to the arcade like i went there with a friend and he he was really uh knowledgeable with shmup and i went there with him the first time i went there he said there's many cave games but i think you should be comfortable with espugaluda that makes sense <laughs> yeah it's like toho sort of so yeah, yeah yeah the first experience i had with the arcade was like there's like so many people in there is uh it was uh akihabara hey oh okay yeah yeah that was the first arcade center arcade center with like cave shmups the first time i went there yeah there was so many people at that time it was like 2013 yes it's 2013 yes 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 it was really crowded because it was weekend I remember playing Espugaluda and I basically like one CC'd it like in the third try or something. Nice. Yeah, it was really like simple game. Oh, okay, you can slow it down. Yep. Yeah, easy to handle for me. My friend was playing DOJ 
and Kitsui. I saw that and I was like, okay, I'm never going to play that. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you're going there and it's really crowded, were there a bunch of super players hanging around or are they just kind of normal arcade going folk or how does that look? Because I've always wondered. To be honest, like I, I really don't remember that time because I wasn't really aware of how good the player is at that time. Right. Because like, I don't know if they're doing a two all or like they're in their first loop or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no idea, but I could see like there were some like galleries around. There's one guy playing and there was like two or three people behind looking at the screen. Right. Yeah. So I think at that time he, he was a really solid player or something for super player wise. Yes. I have met Kamui, the Garaga player. Yes, like twice. I never talked to Kamui playing on Garenga twice in my life. So that was really good. I've wondered, how often do you go to the arcade? And if you go there, is it like a regular thing where, oh, there's Kamui or there's WTN just, you know, doing their thing? Or is it like a very unique event? Like, oh, crap, the super players here. Let's all run over there and look. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a hard question, but you know their names, but you don't know their faces or their like play style wise right so it's really hard to distinguish those people to be honest so maybe i might have like met them unconsciously right yeah but in my life i only the only super player i have ever met is kamui in my life right now so how often have you been to the arcade i'm just curious oh yeah yeah when i was like really into arcade games i went there like almost like every day awesome yeah i went there every day i was living in far away not in tokyo but in tsukuba a little bit far away from akihabara so we had a local arcade center and they had a nesuka so i played crimson clover every day every day that's really cool yeah i didn't enjoy campus life but i enjoyed arcade (laughs) life So what is kind of the daily ritual of the arcade for you? You know what I mean? Like on a day-to-day basis when you went to the arcade, kind of paint a picture of what that was kind of like. You go to the arcade center with your bicycle, like 15 minutes away from your house. You go in the arcade center and there's sometimes like people already playing on Nesica. So if they are playing, I always wait like 30 minutes or one hour or whatever. And when they're done, I go and take a seat. And put in a credit around like four credits each day, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, every day. Yeah. And when I'm done, I not just shmups, but I uh, played Blade Blue. Oh, cool. Yeah, the fighting game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play Blade Blue all the time with my other friend. And I, yeah, I played like music games too. Beat Mania. You beat. That's awesome. Yeah, so... I always spent like a thousand yens maybe every day. <laughs> it was like I didn't really eat or drink much, so I just poured my <laughs> life savings into uh <laughs> arcade games. That's awesome. So I'm curious about kind of what the arcade etiquette is, how people mm-hmm. act in Japanese arcades, because I'm from America and especially in Idaho, you know, we're not necessarily super etiquette driven people out here. So, for example, when I would go to the arcade and someone is playing like Tekken or someone's playing a game you want to play, it's funny to think about because I'd imagine this 
happening to someone like WTN or someone playing Dodonpachi, it was not uncommon for someone to just come in and like throw their credit in while you're playing and start co-oping with you out of nowhere. <laughs> or if they want the machine, they'll just stand right behind you. And as soon as your credit's over, like, all right, you're done. My turn. You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder if that would be a thing in Japan. Like, you're sitting there playing Crimson Clover, and there's another uh, player behind you, like, okay, buddy, as soon as this credit's over, this cabinet's mine. An old lady did this to me the last time I was in the arcade, just last <laughs> few weeks ago. I was in the arcade, mm-hmm. and this old 80 year old, seven year old woman really wanted that Pac Man machine, and she was just like, right over my shoulder watching me play pac-man i was like okay okay you can have the machine is that a thing in (laughs) japanese arcades or i'd Uh, assume they're probably a little less confrontational but i'm not sure there's i think there's an etiquette uh like very mutual i think but if someone is once you're done with your credit you basically like look behind you and if there's someone standing you basically like give give your seat to the next player right and if there isn't anyone you just throw in another coin if you want to so and most of the people i've met in my life are very polite people so they never like try to like smash into my you know crimson clover games so have you ever had someone throw in a second credit while you're playing and they're just right there playing co-op now and you're like okay well i Um, guess we're playing co-op now my friend had that experience (laughs) right in my yeah when we were uh when I was a gallery and he was playing, and someone in the opposite side threw in a coin and started playing. And my friend was like, what the hell? <laughs> the American listeners out there, Japanese cabinets, I think, are different than uh, American cabinets where we're side by side and you guys are head to head, right? Is that pretty oh, universal? Yes. I think most of the uh, arcade center is face to face. So you don't see the opponent's face. You just... Yeah, you never see your opponent's face. You just see the screen. Right. In American arcades, you're bumping elbows with them. They're standing there right next (laughs) to you. I remember I had an experience when I was a little kid where I was in the 90s. People weren't good at fighting games at all anyway. But for scrubby 90s days, I was pretty good at Soul Calibur because I knew how to get really Uh cheesy ring outs with uh, hockey. (laughs) Like I knew how to ring Uh out people with hockey really well. And so this older dude who was, and I was probably 10 or 11 or 12 full-grown man comes over and he's like you know he throws in his credit and we start playing against each other and he keeps getting mad because i keep ringing him out with hockey and stuff <laughs> and i remember i beat him about two or three times and i quit because he was getting too mad and i was like okay i don't want this guy to like freak out on me and he's kind of scared me <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's kind of scary yeah i don't know if he would have done anything mean but you know what i mean just like yeah, a yeah, child yeah. playing yeah, against yeah, yeah. a full-grown man mm-hmm. you know i was like okay this is getting a little <laughs> this is getting a little sketch <laughs> yeah if i was your age i i would be scared too <laughs> <laughs> So what else goes on in the arcade? So you go there, you play your your daily credits, um, you wait, you wait politely for your machines. 
But you also said that you went around and played a bunch of different games, not just shmups. Is that pretty typical for the shmup player? Or is that more of kind of your personal taste? I think it differs from people to people. I forgot who it was, but I think someone, a really, a, really a good player, plays Beat Mania 2. Yeah, I, I could see that, definitely. Yeah, I forgot his name, but yeah, when you're waiting your cabinet, you just go and play other games. Or if they're, if it's like, hey, Akihabara, uh, hey, you get to see like a bunch of other games too. So maybe like waiting isn't much of a pain. But if you're in like a really rural or like small arcade centers, maybe it might be hard to like play other games. Right, yeah. So you're talking about how busy was the arcade? Because I've always trying to picture this where like for example my arcades have always been like not that busy you know but at the same time i could see times where i just wouldn't go during certain hours because they'd be completely flooded with tons and tons of people and they're being crazy and Mm -hmm. stuff is it kind of like that too with your arcade where you simply wouldn't wouldn't be able to go at different times of the day or stuff like that because it'd be completely flooded with people or yes there was some timing there was some guy who always played uh, some certain fighting games at that specific time. So I tend to like avoid that time. Right. For the crowdiness in my like local arcade center wasn't that crowded for the Neseka because nobody really like played much, much of it. But the music game corner was like really flooded. Right. Everyone was there. I could see that. Yeah, it was really flooded. There are like so many cabinets, but everything is like, you know, full, full, full every time because it's really near my college and everyone goes there. So, (laughs) yeah, it was really crowded. And for like other arcade centers, like Akihamara Hei, on the weekdays, it's not that crowded. I think it's not that busy. And after like 6 p.m. or 20 p.m. like after the work hours over Mm -hmm. it tends to get like busy kind of right so i'm not super familiar with japanese culture so i'm going to ask some like cultural questions because i've just been super curious about some of these things Mm -hmm. so what is sort of the average young person's views of the arcade right like are arcades cool are they lame are you a nerd for going to the arcade could you take a date to the arcade or that be kind of nerdy? Like, how does that work? <laughs> it depends on which arcade center you're taking for like dating purposes. Right, right. Yeah. If it's like Taito, uh, there's like many uh, types of arcades. But recently, I think like Taito and uh, Sega, uh, they always like they have this massive amount of like prize games. Oh, okay. You know, you know that prize. Yes, like the claws, you know, the arm going down. throwing yeah, the yeah, ball yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they tend to uh, put those cabinets in the first and second floor. Most of the time, like many of most of the people, I think, goes to the first or second floor. Right. Because there's not much to do upper in the upper area. And if you go to like third or fourth floor or above. It gets more like nerdy. Ah, okay, okay. It's like, yeah, music, music floor is uh, on the third, fighting games on the fourth floor, shmups on the fifth. Oh, wow. Like so it's really is like stratified. That is funny. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Like, it's kind of like in the arcades too, where you come in usually, like you're saying, the prize games are the first things you come into and that kind of stuff. If you want to find the 
you know, right in cabinet or something's like way back in some corner somewhere next to the garbage <laughs> yeah. can. It's like, there's the writing cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> next to the garbage can. That's kind of what it sounds yeah, I, like. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think those type of floors are like really common in Tokyo areas. But if you go to like a real rural or local arcade centers, it's more of like a one floor. Yeah, that's like uh, type American of a building. Arcades. Yeah, so yeah, near like American type. I don't know how American type works, but yeah, most of the time, like the shooting game cabinets or like those game cabinets are really like pushed to the edge. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. It's facing and the wrong direction, the maybe. Game. It's like, oh, okay. It's oh. backwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, like, most of the prize games are in the f- right in the front of the, uh, I don't know the term, in the front of the door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to ask the question, just because, again, I'm really curious. Is there much of a girl population in arcades, or is that, because in America, like, so the way it works, actually, in America, for people, because I forget this, you know, a lot of international people listen to this. And I'm from Idaho, which is like very rural America. But so the way it works is actually there's two demographics of people you will find in the arcade, which is young families or mm-hmm. nerds. So I'm just like a nerd in secret. So I've, I've been the nerd category or there's the mm-hmm. younger families. For instance, my dad used to take me to the arcades and stuff like that. So it's actually not that uncommon to see girls and stuff in the arcades here. But they're like you're saying, they're more for like the prize games and those types of things, or they have their families there or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But uh, like, mm-hmm. I've never seen personally, I've never seen like the lone girl who's there to play right in there, there to play time crisis or something, just show up and play on her <laughs> own. Right. Like I've never actually seen that yeah. happen. Does that happen at all? Girls who say, I'm going to go to the arcade, not to like hang out with my friends and stuff, but to play shmups or to play fighting games or something. Like, is that all that common? No. Uh, n- n- in my, Personal experience? No. Right, okay. I've never seen a girl, mostly if they come there with other boys or something. Right, yeah, and that happens here too. And yeah, yeah, they play like fighting games with each other or something. So i never seen girl only playing like... Yeah, I, I just wanted to know because I always imagine what Japanese culture is like. Like what's cool in Japanese culture? What's not cool in Japanese culture? Like I have no idea. <laughs> uh, arcade Center is... I don't think it's considered lame. I think it's more considered of like a place where like, I don't know if this uh, thought really extends to this right now, but in the time before time, it's like arcade games were like where the uh, bad guys like hang really? out, right? So like, really like the... Like hmm? smoking type bad ah, guys yes. or like ah. or like after school bad guys they you know like you're like how bad are we yeah, talking yeah, yeah. like the bully bully things right uh i think the uh i think the latter is much more common i think like the bullies or like really like the guys in school which don't which are like really mean to yes you okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the rebel type so, go there ah yes yes okay uh-huh. I just wondering how bad are we talking like actual gangster bad because <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that weird. too like you may get shot walking into the arcade or is it more like just like the <laughs> no. the jerks the bullies the people who think they're tough type people I think like before like 2015 or so smoking was very common in arcade centers everyone smoked so cigarettes were really I had a problem with that too and 
most of the time it like smelled really bad. Oh, that's awful. So <laughs> it, it's not a place where you take your family or your girlfriends. Yeah, mostly. yeah, no kidding. Okay, yes, you're painting the picture for me here. Yeah, you don't take your yeah, girlfriend to like a smoky, <laughs> yeah, arcade yeah. full of like yeah. dudes. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm getting the picture now. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a really problematic but recently they really toned down the cigarette thing and they mostly like ban it or something that's like super common you, you, like you can't here yeah. you can't smoke indoors like anywhere basically uh, in japan i think it's the same too okay. right now they're like hey maybe yeah. you know maybe this is a public health hazard <laughs> you know we have little <laughs> kids in a <laughs> yeah. arcade full of smoke maybe this is a public health yeah, hazard here definitely <laughs> being it lame or not lame i think it's not lame of course, like nerds like me go there, but it's viewed as not that lame, to be honest. I think going to the arcade. Okay. It's not like a place where like geeks hang out or something. No, that's what it's I'm more getting like at, a place. Yeah. So, okay, it doesn't yeah. have that reputation. It like differs from places to places, like arcade centers. Sure. Really. Recently, it's not that bad of a reputation, I think. Many people go there, and many like students go there too, I think. So it, it's not that bad, to be honest, right now. Before, like, 2000s or 1900s, I think it was viewed as really bad. Right. Because I remember, like, my mom telling me, like, never go to the arcade centers. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> see, and, like, when I was a kid in the 90s, my mom would hand me $5 and drop me off there and be like, mm-hmm. right, see you in a oh. few hours. <laughs> it was, like, the highlight of my week. You know, I was like, oh, we're going to the arcade. Mm-hmm. For people who maybe not catch the earlier episode of the podcast, like, I love arcades. Like, I have a deep love for them. And they were definitely a big, big part of my childhood. And it's actually not that common among, like, a little bit of the younger demographic of my listeners and, or, you know, shmup players, because the arcades died before they were able to actually go to them. But, uh, mm. yeah, I don't know. Maybe Ido had a stronger arcade selection than I realized, but it was a huge part of my growing up. So it is interesting. That's where kids went to the arcade, basically, or like mm-hmm. older nerds. Like those were like the two demographics mm-hmm. that went to the arcade. Oh, in Japan, it's the same too, but I think it's like more for the older nerds or like students, right? Which, yeah, it doesn't skew as much targeted. towards like twelve-year-olds, mm-hmm. eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds type of thing. Yeah, it's not towards the family. I think. Ah, interesting. Because when I see like a little child on the arcade center, it's like, are you okay? Are you are you okay? Are being you lost? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you okay? Is your mom here or something? So I used to live in America too. And uh, I remember like going to Chuck E. Cheese. They mm-hmm. had like really good arcades there. They did. People don't know that, but they, they, they had some legit yeah. stuff. Like I used to play, mm-hmm. uh, it was Chuck E. Cheese, but then it went out of business and then it got rebought mm-hmm. as like a knockoff of Chuck E. Cheese, but it still had all the <laughs> stuff there. And um, they had ah. like, Tekken Tag and a lot of really great fighting games and some, you know, Raiden. Every arcade had Raiden when I went. That was like the shmup (laughs) was Raiden. Yeah, it had a really cool selection of games. Yeah, I remember that too. But then, oh, here's another thing I want to ask you about too with arcades. So what happened for me is that arcades basically died. And the problem was, was that there's a lot of factors for that, of course. But one factor that people don't tend to talk about as much is that the prices just skyrocketed so like i said when i was eight or nine or ten my mom would literally drop me off with five dollars and i'd spend a few hours or so on five dollars mm-hmm. well it got, it got to the point where and there was actually a dime arcade which was really cool so you could go in 
and all the classic mm-hmm. machines like the Mr. Do, the Pac-Man, a lot of beat-em-ups mm-hmm. too. The X-Men beat-em-up, the Simpsons beat-em-up. Uh, hi, hi. You could play all this of those is... for a dime per credit. It was a dime, dime, dime arcade. Yeah, so you get 10 credits for a dollar. So it was, <laughs> so $5, it was just, it was a feast. I mean, it was wow. awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the more newer stuff coming out, so all the Tekken machines, all the Soul Calibers, those were a quarter. And then freaking Tekken Tag was always 50 cents. I was like, such a ripoff. But anyway, because <laughs> uh, you got two characters, I guess. It's 50 cents. But then a few uh-huh. years later, when I was kind of in middle school, kind of going into high school, I stopped going to the arcades because I was offended at how high the prices went. I went there to go play Tekken 4. And I kid you not, there was mm-hmm. one time where it was a dollar per credit. And I was like, no, that mm-hmm. is against my my morals. I will not pay a uh... dollar per credit. So I stopped going to the arcades because they kept jacking up the mm-hmm. prices. Did that happen in Japan? Did your guys' credits prices think... skyrocket or did they keep kind of reasonable? No, it was always, I think, one dollar. Whoa, per credit? Yes. Holy balls. 100 yen. <laughs> Holy balls. Yeah, so I was astonished you saying like dime because... Yeah, so that's 10 uh, credits yes, for a dollar. There are like some, yeah, there are some like arcade centers that like do their uh, pricing. Yeah, of course, I saw uh, 10 yen arcades in my places too. I think they quit that too. I think I, I think they quit that. And there was a 50 yen. Gate. So that'd be about 50 cents, right? For Americans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 50 cents. And... But I think most of the arcades was 100 yen. I think almost every place is. So when you're playing Crimson Clover, it was 100 yen per credit. Mm-hmm. That yes. is crazy. Because I... like Schmups, to finish the story, nowadays the prices went back down. So now they're basically a quarter per credit most of the time. So mm. if you go to play Tekken now or you go to play Raiden or us playing this multi-cab thing, which is actually pretty cool, 1943 and all these different things, Pac-Man, quarter per credit, Gunsmoke. A quarter per credit. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's just a dollar straight across the board. Mm-hmm. Wow. So even what about like uh, Time Crisis and like light gun games? Are those a dollar per credit? Yes. Holy smokes. Uh, Imagine the money I, you I, make I... on that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a bit high too. But to be honest, like standing on the arcade center standpoint, like getting 100 yen per credit is like really mandatory. I is think. it? Yeah, because I think not many people go to the arcades now. And of course, like, yeah, there was like Corona and stuff. But even before Corona, I think in the late 2018s, hmm, there's not like not much people I used to see in like 2013. Right. That's what I've been hearing constantly is that the arcade popularity is just dying off. Yes, it's really diminishing, I think. And it's really constantly going down. So... I don't know if the uh, prices really contribute to that, but in that standpoint, like if you were uh, like an arcade center manager or something, are you able to like drop down the price from like 10, 100 yen to 50 yen? Yeah. Or like 10 Have yen? they tried that? Uh, I, I don't know, but I don't think they tried be- just because it's not profitable, I think. Yeah, that's an interesting topic i'm sure like there's you know some some ar- arcade pricing expert out there who's like yelling into the his headphones right now but because i would imagine <laughs> the way it would work like with my local arcades because i keep an eye on them is mm-hmm. yeah they basically figured okay this is just way too expensive people are not playing like mm-hmm. for me i stopped going to the arcade 
strictly because of the pricing. It wasn't because I could play on home console or stuff. I grew up with this feeling that $5 is a day at the arcade. Then it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. no, times change. There's a little inflation. Okay, I'll give it $10 a day at the arcade. And then, but it got to be Mm -hmm. like $20 for half a day at the arcade. I was like, no, it's too expensive now. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, I wonder, I do Mm -hmm. wonder if, uh, if arcades will start to try that as they get more desperate. Like, okay, let's drop these prices Mm -hmm. down. Or if they're, they're going to stick to the guns till the end. I don't, I don't know. I want to see them like draw, lower down their prices, seeing the uh, diminishing popularity right now. Well, I just try to imagine, is, mm-hmm. okay, so just trying to imagine like the cost benefit here where like mm-hmm. you go to play Time Crisis that, and you, that costs you the average person. Let's say that takes the average person like five or six credits. That was a five or six dollar playthrough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus a three dollar playthrough. Of course, the arcade makes less money in that one thing but maybe the person comes back and plays time crisis the next day too and they can mm-hmm. continues to play you know what i mean rather than yeah. you get yes. you go yes. and get wiped out one time you're like all right i guess that was that and you move on so you mean like the retention yes rate, exactly right? to improve that re- yes because i continue to go mm-hmm. to my arcades because they drop their prices back down the dime is mm-hmm. never returning that was a magical time but uh They're quarters now, and I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. You know, quarter credits, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that coming, like, regarding the retention rate. But a problem with the uh, uh, Japanese arcade center is, like, the players are too experienced on their own. Right. So they don't really, like, need to, like, constantly feed credit Mm -hmm. feed through the entire game. That's also true. They just, like, spend, like, 50 yen or 100 yen. I I don't know. That's also true, yeah. Like, a dollar or, like, yeah, or half a dollar and, like, play play through one game sitting for, like, 30 minutes. Yeah, there's that, too. American arcades do not have that problem. You know, it's a rare... It's, (laughs) like, the experienced American arcade player is, like, a rare creature. There's some dude at my arcade, yeah, I've never met him, just following the leaderboards, that seems to be (laughs) really good at Pac-Man. Because I can never even touch mm-hmm. his Pac-Man scores. But yeah, I mean, other than mm-hmm. that, I can pretty much high score every single machine <laughs> at the mm-hmm. arcade. Like every, like all <laughs> genres, I can high score all of them. But except that one Pac-Man nice. guy, that Pac-Man guy is holding it down. But other than him, it's probably that <laughs> seven-year-old woman who stares behind me when I play. It's probably her <laughs> scores I'm trying to maybe, beat. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yes, She's yes, like, yes. you're not beating my score, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That, yes. that is true. I did, I forgot <laughs> but, about that too. That you know, you guys have these insane players who one dollar is all they really need because they're gonna play three credits and then they're gonna leave. Yeah, I think so. I rarely see like people f- uh, constantly like credit feeding in Japan. I think I don't know why, but yeah, I don't really see much of those people. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about, and I I know you might not have much direct experience with this. But maybe if you can kind of at least give your thoughts, because I mean, you're the closest person who I talked to so far who might know this. Plasma would probably know too, but I want to get your perspective being a a Japanese arcade goer. How do you Mm -hmm. think the shmup players in Japan have gotten so good at the games? And I'm talking especially in the Mm -hmm. earlier era where they couldn't really emulate or they couldn't there weren't really good home console ports. It was like strictly DDP. How are they getting like these mm-hmm. insane DDP scores just playing the PCB? Just because I, mm-hmm. I honestly cannot imagine it because it's taken me thousands of hours of safe, precise save state practice, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm still not touching some of the, not even close to touching some of these scores that were set back yeah. on only a PCB, only really not that long after the game's release. Like, how, how did that happen? So, in my perspective, like, super player people, I think you're talking about those yes. people, right? I really don't know their ins and outs, but I know that they have like a really small community where they like share their information among each other. And in the DDP era, mm -hmm. I really don't know. I wasn't at the arcade at the time, but as far as my knowledge goes, I think those people had like special arcade center for themselves to like play DDP exclusively for them, maybe. Right. And I've heard about so, that. And I remember Plasma yeah. saying that there would be like competing arcade centers, right? Where mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. group of players would meet at one arcade center and another group of players yeah, yeah, would yeah. meet at another arcade center to like compete with each other. So I think that in that era, always like rotated their cabinets or something. And I think they pretty much like had the chance to play that game for a ridiculous amount other than like other people playing in other like Shmarp arcade centers. So it'd be like some gaijin wanders into the arcade, sees the DDP machine, and there's four super players surrounding it. And it's like, you're not getting in on that, boy. Because <laughs> I wonder, like, would they sit around and watch each other play and talk? Like, oh, okay, you should go over here. Yes. You uh, should do this. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think they did that. And because if you were to, like, get a really good routing on DDP in such a small uh, time, I think it's nearly impossible. That's what I've been thinking. So and, I'm like, how are they doing mm -hmm. this? So I don't know if this is true, but may maybe there was some people that are like really connected to the developer or something. Well, one thing that is kind of interesting is when you play DDP, some of these super players initials <laughs> are on the default screen of the game. Like when you boot it, there's like, yeah. hey, there he is. <laughs> like he's on the default screen. <laughs> is that just some yeah. random coincidence or is there like no, a connection I there? Think they were testing. Yes, right. They're testers. Ban yes. the testers. <laughs> yes, I think they were the testers for in the developing cycle. I don't know how they became a tester or anything. I think they were really good at other games too. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, that's so, kind of how it even works on among indie shmups here. Jamers, for example, mm -hmm. or Kiwi, ah, yes. like they they have a reputation as being great players. So when an indie mm -hmm. dev is making a shmup, hmm, who do I have test this? Oh, Jamers, will you test this for me or Kiwi or whoever <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. So there is that too. Yeah, I think so. There should be some of those things too. That makes a lot of sense. And I have wondered like, okay, why are there initials on the default score screen? Because that is kind of mm -hmm. a funny coincidence, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. <laughs> right. I think it's, yeah, I think it's uh, calculated, planned. 
I'm trying to think of other questions I've been wanting to ask about the Japanese arcades. I guess, what was your personal trajectory with them? I mean, do you still go to the arcades on the daily? Or how did your relationship with the arcades sort of develop? After like graduating college, I yeah, I really stopped going there because I, I really don't have much time to go to the arcade centers because of work and all this stuff. But before that, I went there daily. And recently, I've been going back there maybe once or twice a month what game are you playing when uh, you go but i play like mostly mm, i play like espagalula every time but other than that i play like ketsui and garega right yeah. now are those yeah, machines all that popular or are they just kind of like sitting there waiting for you when you show up because that's how it is with me when i go to the arcades like all the machines are like mm-hmm. we missed you mark you know it's like there's no one really on them <laughs> They're just kind of like hanging out. Is it like that with these shmups or are there like a a crowd of people around them? Recently, like after Corona, it's like I I haven't really like saw anyone going there. Yeah, but before that, before like Corona, there was some people like playing on the arcade. So like they were not like hanging out lonely or anything. I think they were like pretty much pretty people. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is do you have any experience with JHA or how that works or any thoughts on that? Uh, and that for those who I are at never home, had any experience that's on the JHA. Japanese no, no. world record keeping system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never had any experience, and to be honest, I really didn't care much about it. To be honest, you mentioned it like really a bit. I think you mentioned it a bit longer. Yes, ago, yes. The glitch. Yes, the glitch bounty for the DDP. Yes. yes, I saw that art. I saw that article you made, and I was like. What is going on with this JHA? So I uh, I did my research on them, and my thought on it, that is, it's really, really like his has a historic tangles between it, right? And it's really hard to like untangle that legacy because they even in this post-internet era, yes. it's been like twenty years since internet era, and they're like using uh, papers, <laughs> right, right, for that. It's like, what, <laughs> why? And you have to go to a specific like arcade center and make authorized staff check that and have them signed. Basically, uh, you post mail them or you uh, submit them via Google survey, right? Thing. And was, the big problem mm-hmm. that I was talking about with the glitch bounty specifically is that there is no verification of your actual run. They yes. just verify the score yes. screen, right? So that's what was actually like the big problem with the glitch is that in a system where you has video evidence to review, you could review the video and mm-hmm. be like, oh, you use the glitch. This is going to be in a separate scoring category now. But in JHA, there was mm-hmm. no way to do that. So there was no separate scoring category. Therefore, the glitch was hidden because it was, you know, all kinds of different reasons. But one of them being that it totally changes the meta of the game and kind of throws off traditional scoring and all that stuff. Nah, that's just like, I didn't really think that was a valid point to make, to be honest. I think you mentioned that you already opened the Pandora's box. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I definitely agree that you're already using the glitch. Then why are you like submitting it? It's not like the official, the official, but it's regarded as official. As in yes, Japan, definitely a high score association. So I was like, that's not a valid point to make. So I didn't really didn't think that was a good take on that. But not talking about the uh, glitch precisely, but thinking about that high score system and not having the replay or anything to uh, confirm that. I don't think it's a really healthy state 
in uh you know score attacking community in general I right think. yeah i definitely agree there i don't know like how other people in japan will think about it because i know that there are like many copyright problems regarding yes the, i uh, want to talk about recording that. of those games and i definitely do think that it is a real big problem and i understand that they do not want to touch that box because copyright infringement is like really you know big deal nowadays yeah, especially in japan and yeah i i don't like living in japan just for that purpose but <laughs> but you know yeah so, so I've, I've been uh wanting to ask a japanese person about this as well because i mean okay for example as someone in idaho let's say i as a person not as the electric underground let's say i just had my own crappy mm -hmm. youtube channel that no one watched and i didn't care about i play some shmup or whatever and i post the video to me other than getting my video struck and taken down, what can they really do to me? Basically nothing. So in Japan, are you afraid or are Japanese players afraid like something could literally happen to you? Like you go to court or you get like a misdemeanor or you get fined or are you afraid of something like uh, that? Or is it just kind of like yes. more like, oh, well, I don't want my YouTube channel struck because it's embarrassing or what are the consequences that Japanese people fear? It's the former one. Okay, so you could, like, get your fine or something, can come down. Yes, you could, like, get your ass handed in a court. Holy I think. <laughs> I cannot I, imagine that ever I, happening. But yeah, You might if the, you know, the copyright holder uh, says that's an infringement. And if you don't take down that video, then you're going to have a really bad time, I think. So how common would that be? played out in Japanese courts because I don't know how your guys's legal system works at all but like I'm saying like something like that for instance I remember <laughs> when I was in college I got in a little bit of trouble with my ISP for pirating movies whoops and uh, <laughs> the worst thing that happened was like my ISP's like you stop doing this I'm like all right sorry I won't do this anymore and that was it mm -hmm. I mean you'd have mm. to be like really egregiously going basically have to be distributing them for the most part i think before yes. you'd end up getting your butt in a courtroom over it mm -hmm. i think the way kind of the american that i'm aware of i'm sure someone has some horror story out there but and i've had a mm -hmm. lot of friends who are pirates so i know what i know there's a lot of people <laughs> who have different experiences but most of the time you get your isp yells at you and if you do it one mm -hmm. more time they might drop you which is a big deal because then you may mm -hmm. not have internet because in yeah. rural Idaho, there's like two ISPs and you piss one of them off. You got to go to the <laughs> other one or you may not have internet. But at the same time, it's like all very indirect and it's all like not going to be all that mm -hmm. scary unless you start going like crazy with it. But the yes. idea mm -hmm. of posting Tetris Grandmaster video on your YouTube channel and then Arika mm -hmm. gets mad at you and tells you to take it down. I mean, it doesn't seem that scary as a, an American player. You know, you... YouTube would just take it down. There's nothing you can really do about it. But it doesn't, unless people out there are different than me, I don't really fear ending up in a courtroom over that. But it sounds like in Japan, that is a legit fear you may have. It's kind of hard for me to explain much, but I don't think it's the fear of you being taken into court or being fined is scary. The fear of like the reputation of that society, uh, the social society's reputation to okay. you is the fearsome point, I think. Okay. So because you are now regarded as a copyright uh, infringement guy. Right. You know? And is that like, okay, like I said, I maybe I hung out with a bit of, I don't know if it's really that degenerate. Mm -hmm. I guess the Americans can weigh here in the comment section. But it's, <laughs> it's like a story you tell your friends when you hang out. Yeah, my ISP got mad at me because I pirated Black Swan or something. And you're like, oh, you know, like, oh, mm -hmm. that's funny. It's not like, like, I remember my parents, 
my parents knew that I pirated mm-hmm. films all the time. They're like, hey, can you pirate this movie for me? I'm like, no problem. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm also in Idaho, so maybe that's one thing, but I've never seen a huge social stigma against it here. But, you know, maybe, you know, maybe other parts of the country are different than that. Uh, How about yeah, for, I think like, it's like, kind of harsh. Yeah, in Japan. Japan, would your friends be like, yo, what, you know, like looking at you a little different? Yeah, it's like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Why are you doing that? Okay. So that is interesting. So it's not just a legal fear, but like a social fear mm-hmm. as well. And I think the JHA doesn't want to like get involved in those kind of things because they want to like stay on the neutral yes, side. Yes. And I understand that standpoint. But I do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's purely like JHA's it. problem, but it's also like it's an overall problem as far as moving the genre forward. And I do wonder how that yes. works with other genres because I, I feel like shmups are just behind the times by a decade at all times but let's say you're a japanese mario 64 speedrunner or something like that or like a japanese mm-hmm. player of some other game if you play western games you're not afraid of that because western developers won't attack you but i guess uh i've always wondered about this too like how japanese people feel feel about like speedrunning videos is nintendo going to copyright strike your super metroid run we know what they're going to do if you're playing in Melee, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> I'll make a whole nother video about that. Ooh, hot topic. Yeah, I'll make a whole nother video about that. But you heard about the Tetris Grandmaster thing, right? Where Rika just scrubbed Tetris Grandmaster from, from existence, basically. I'm not really enlightened at that knowledge. Sorry. Oh, that, that's fine. So basically what happened was the Tetris mm-hmm. people were making a new Tetris game that looks kind of stupid coming out in like VR and all mm-hmm. this. To clear the path for it, they they were getting annoyed with all these Tetris Grandmaster 3 videos, because that's the favorite Tetris competitive game. Arika said, nah, screw that, and they copyright struck every single Tetris 3 video and basically killed the competitive scene by doing that. Yeah, not <laughs> okay. a lot of people know about this because it's Tetris and people don't care that much. So I've always wondered, too, is that something... You're a Hellsinker player. That's an indie game, mm-hmm. so that's, I'm assuming, less of a scary idea. But is that something mm-hmm. the uh, Japanese players are legitimately worried about, like with Grega, with Ketsui, with Dodonpachi, and all that stuff? Where I thought Cave said that they're not going to do that, but you can enlighten me. Uh, I yes, I think there are like some games that they like handed over their copyright, their rights to other companies. Right. Then that other company like sold that right to another uh, guy, and right. so on. So they really don't know where the rights are right now for those old kind of like games. Like Dodonpachi like, or something. I don't know about Dodonpachi, maybe, but to be honest, like many other shmup games or like Toa Plan games, right, for example, yeah. Batrider or something like that. I yeah. Or I mean, uh, I, Batsugan. I meant. Abatsugon, yes. And I think those uh, kind of games and their rights are not in their position, uh, possession right now. Right. So that's why I think it's really scary for them to like make a video or like take record those things and make it public and they might like go crazy on you. So I think that's the scary part of it, I think. Yeah, it's a tough, I feel bad for Japanese copyright situation in general, because it seems even more strict than American copyright. It's not (laughs) good. It's not good for anyone. But there is a really nice counterexample that we definitely need to talk about, which Mm -hmm. is Toho. And the way Zun has done this, Mm. I want to run some ideas by you, a very strong indie doujin Toho player. Um, One thing that I'm really respecting more and more about Toho is Zun's kind of like, 
semi-open license or mostly open license thing that he does where you can do Mm -hmm. all kinds of cool stuff with the Toho property and not get sued. And I always feel Mm -hmm. like that's probably one of the biggest factors of Toho's success because there's so much supplementary Mm -hmm. material, supplementary games, so much extra stuff surrounding Toho that Zun himself could never have produced just because of sheer Mm -hmm. volume and mass. And Mm -hmm. I've been wondering, would Cave benefit from doing something not maybe not full on Toho, but maybe being a little bit more open with these types of things, like opening it up to be like, okay, we're never going to make more shmups but maybe we can open the license up a little bit to get a secondary studio to do these games or open it up to like fan submission Mm -hmm. type stuff. Yeah, I think they would really benefit from it. I don't know why they don't do it, but I genuinely agree on that. I hope that someday they would. (laughs) Right. I'm just imagining something like, you know, you've heard about like Sonic Mania, right? With uh, Ah, yeah, where... Basically, Mm -hmm. this ROM hacker ended up making Sonic Mania. I could see something Mm -hmm. totally like that happening with Cave because there's so many talented Mm -hmm. indie developers out there that, and even even in Japan, like the guy who made Battle Traverse, for example, Mm -hmm. that guy, just have him make a Ketsui game or have him make like an official (laughs) Cave game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or be on the staff for it. It just, I thought it'd be very interesting Mm -hmm. if they did something like that. Yeah. I think so, too. I would like to see that coming from Cave, and I don't know if they're planning to do it, or maybe they're doing it on, like, secretly. <laughs> that would be cool. Just because but, they yeah, but hold all these mm, shmup IPs, and they don't seem to be doing much with them, so... Yeah. I always wondered what their game plan as is. As for now, I don't think they're doing much of a... I wouldn't say a very good job, but <laughs> yeah, a kind of a poor job on those kind of things, I think. Yeah. I think the best thing that's come out of Caves recently is like M2's ports of their games. Ketsui Destiny yeah. and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. The Esperate mm-hmm. Sai. So yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah. the plan. Kind of like what we're saying where they hand the keys over to M2. They say, okay, you make our shmups now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, something yeah. like that I can that, see that, working. That's good yeah. too. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about is what is the overlap or what's kind of the situation in Japan as far as their views on Western, the Western community, Western players. And uh, is there any mm-hmm. real interest in that at all? Or is it kind of like, you know, we're doing our own things mm-hmm. out here. We don't speak their language. It's not a big deal. Because you yourself were in Shmup Slam 3. And I'm actually really interested to hear how that story happened. Because for those who do not, uh, who mm-hmm. haven't seen the video, when I introduced Twilight, I actually thought he was a Western player because he was so accessible and you know, your English is very good. So I was like, oh, I just assumed you're a Western. <laughs> and then you said you're Japanese. I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> so how did, how did you find Shmup Slam? How did you find the Western stuff? And is that a unique thing to you? Or is this something we can see more Japanese players doing? Uh, okay, so I should start where I found Slam 2, mm-hmm. Slam, Shmup Slam. I actually watched uh, Slam 2. Oh, awesome. Because I knew, yeah, because I knew Hellsinker was going to be played. I think it was Zarok, yes. I think. Yes, right? I think Zarok played. And I saw that through Twitter. Oh, what, do you know what Twitter? Do you know, like, what account? Was it Plasmo's account? Sorry, I don't remember which one. But someone said that, oh, there's going to be a Hellsinker run in Slam 2. And I think it was this year's uh, February or something? Yes, it was earlier this year, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Early in this year. And I was really into Hellsinker at the time. So I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. I want to watch that. So I went and watched the slam too. And I saw your, I basically saw every slam 
going on. Awesome. And I saw that, like, yeah, score glitch and everything. And many players and many supportive、uh, audiences in chat really made me feel like, oh, there is some community outside of Japan that really loves shmups. And that, I think that was the first time I ever、uh, had contact with in the、uh, Western world. I, wow, me, that's really cool. So it was, it was Shmup Slam that, w- that did it then. <laughs> yes, yes. That was the bridge wow, for me. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and I think like some months passed and I saw the Reddit post on Shmups, our、mm-hmm. Shmups,、yep. I think. Yeah. So people keep said, track. Like, so, so far we've、yeah. got Shmup Slam, we've got the Reddit. Two things that、uh, yeah. a lot of people were discounting the Reddit as being valuable. And I've been saying, no, no. Even if you guys <laughs> have some beef with it, it is actually very strong at finding new people. Yes, I, I am the、uh, one person that got into that. And I saw the Reddit post on it and saying, like, we're going to host Shmup Slam 3. Okay, I may give it a try and play Helsinker because I was really confident in my Helsinker runs at that time. So, and I wanted to make the Helsinker community grow more and draw more people in. So I volunteered and I basically said, Can I play this game? And you said, Sure. <laughs> so I was really、yeah. happy about that. <laughs>、uh, for people who don't remember the submission process, and this will be important for future slams, except there might be some changes to the submission process when I. I think on Slam 5 or 6, depending on how the world plays out, one of the Slams coming up is going to have like a semi in person aspect to it. How many people actually sign up for that? I have no idea. But, but for the most part, the way Slam submissions work is it's all about speed. How fast can you submit to it? Because I don't want to, to avoid discriminating against runs based on my own personal biases. Like, oh, I like Ketsui, so I'm going to choose Ketsui. Or, oh, I like this game, I'm going to choose that game. The way it works is strictly submission speed and having a valid submission. So if you get your, your submission in fast and it's valid, you're basically in. That's how it works. <laughs> Rather, because I don't want Slam、okay. to be. I'll reserve some slots for people, like, oh, five or six people that I'm reserving their slots. Other than that, like, it's just purely how quick and valid is your submission. So just people ask me how that <laughs> works. And that's the policy. So <laughs> that I don't want it to be me like, Cherry picking through people's submissions and being like, oh, I like this game. I like that game. You, you, know, you、uh, know what I mean? Yeah. So you got. Yeah, your, yeah, yeah. You don't want it to be. Yes, biased, exactly.、Right? The whole point of it is supposed to be like an opportunity for people who haven't shown up before. Like, that's the idea for you. For instance, I had no idea who you were. I assumed、yeah. you were in a Western player. And I was like, cool, <laughs> Hellsinker. Like, <laughs> that's really, really cool. So, how about your fellow Japanese players that you are aware of? 